Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Dual Citizen Podcast. Ready? Welcome to the Dual Citizen Podcast. One, two, three. Welcome, Welcome to the Dual Citizen Podcast. Does that work? All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Anna Claire Noblet, and I am the host of the Dual Citizen Podcast. Um, if we haven't met, I am a junior in college, and I'm so glad that y'all are. Uh, joining me and asking my questions to people who know more than us at this level um, or stage of our life. So this season of the Dual Citizen podcast, um, we we have our same mission, which is realize your influence, understand your civic responsibility, and reflect Christ in your community. And specifically, we are going to focus on the first facet of that mission statement this spring, which is realize your influence. So we are going to just dive into this phrase and we are also doing a Q&A segment. So we want to field questions about what is going on in the world and how to engage as a member of both heavenly and earthly communities. But today I have a really special guest from a really influential nonprofit in the Birmingham, Alabama area. And I want to just focus in on the nonprofit sector this spring um, as we talk about realizing our influence, because this past year has been heavy and we have talked a lot about what's going on in the public square. We spent the fall going through, you know, how do I engage as a voter maybe for the first time and how do I do that faithfully, Um, looking at both sides and becoming a good listener. But there is so much going on um, in the political sphere that I just kind of want to turn to this other sector that can offer um, a glimpse at some really good things that are going on in our world. And so we want to spend this spring talking to leaders in the nonprofit sector and hearing their stories of hope as a nice change of pace. So today we are going to talk with Debbie Harrelson. She is the chief operating officer of the Well House which is a nonprofit organization in Birmingham, which exists to honor God by rescuing and providing opportunities for restoration to female victims of human trafficking who have been sexually exploited. So Debbie has spent four years at this organization. Um, And Debbie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Anna Claire. It's good to get to meet you and talk with you today. Yeah, well, um, we're so honored and excited to hear your story. And we're, since we're talking about this idea of realize your influence, I just kind of want to jump into that real quick and hear some of your your personal story. And will you just share your story of kind of realizing your influence and discovering opportunities in your community and how that led you to the position you're in today? Well, I think that thinking back, I think two big factors. One was my family of origin, and then the other has been my faith journey. And so I had a dad that would wake us up at seven o'clock in the morning on Saturdays and say, hey girls, this is what's happening here. Let's go visit. Would you like to tour a naval destroyer today down at the pier? You know, and at the time we laughed, but here I am, you know, an adult myself and I feel this desire and this passion to engage with my community. Um, Well, I can tell you the... The bigger factor really has been my faith journey. So I remember being 18 years old, so getting ready to start college. And I was in church one Sunday, and I remember just this overwhelming thought came over me, which was, why are we here? Like, why am I dressed up? And why is this man talking to us? And 
you know, do we, does anybody here believe this? And that really led me into some withdrawal. I kind of, I withdrew and started spending a lot of time thinking um, and really wrestling with um, sort of the faith of my childhood. And I realized I had a strong conviction that this was the time to decide. I mean, I, I had this this picture in my mind of being a juror at a trial and different people bringing me different pieces of, of evidence and making different arguments. And I felt like I had to make a decision one way or another. I just, the more I thought about Christianity, the more crazy it sounded to think that, okay, there's this, there's actually this supernatural God somewhere. And this big God became a human man that walked on the earth in Palestine. And how could this be? But I needed to make a decision. I was right kind of on the cusp of adulthood. And I remember doing that. I mean, I was by myself. I was, it was time. And that decision um, for Christianity completely changed my life. I have been a hundred percent owned by God ever since. And the more that I engaged with God, just very simple things like contemplation, prayer, um, the more I started to feel drawn toward um, just um, marginalized people, people that are kind of living on the, the fringes of society, people that are overlooked. Um, it was almost like I started to feel more comfortable around that group. It, it's like God used my natural tendencies and my interests and kind of transformed them for work with him. Um, I also have this, <laughs> I always had this kind of dramatic side. And so I would, I was very interested in suffering. <laughs> like, okay, if there's a God, why do things happen to people, you know, and if God's in control of everything, then God allows this suffering to happen and help me understand that. And that has been a fascination of mine, my entire adult life. <clears throat> I was a student at Beeson Divinity School at Sanford. And I remember they gave me a choice. I could preach on anything I wanted. And I immediately knew it was going to be the book of Job. And, um, you know, as, as crazy as that sounds, God has absolutely used that in my life here at the Wellhouse. Um, we are, are a ministry that works in the trauma space. I mean, we're working with people that have had unimaginable things occur in their lives that have absolutely sort of stopped the momentum of their lives. And they come to us and they're struggling to even understand what has happened, much less articulate that, much less heal from that. And so... I do feel like God used my 20s as a time to really wrestle with that theology of suffering. And um, he is using that here at the Wellhouse. So that's a, yeah. that's a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, did, you know, as you kind of knew that you wanted to engage with um, kind of marginalized people groups, mm -hmm. big picture in general, um, did your did what you think that would look like change over time and and did that does that look different than you thought now that you're at the wellhouse yeah i think so yeah, that's a great question i think in the beginning i thought for sure it would be missions i thought that i would be 
outside of the United States. I still dream of doing that. Um, and I did live outside of the United States for a while, but I had a, a medical emergency and had to come back. So it's like, oh my goodness, plan B. You know, and so then I started um, talking with churches and my first job at a church was with children and I was terrible at it. I mean, I just, it, no shade on people that work with children, but I was just, it was chaos. And <laughs> so that was not for me, but it was hard to find something in the church world that fit me. Um, and so I was a little adrift, I would say, in finding what was next for me after I came home from the mission field. And then I just lucked upon this idea of this faith-based nonprofit space. You know, um, there are nonprofits all over the world that are doing really innovative, interesting work. Um, that's probably one of the best things about being involved in a nonprofit is you just, every year is a little different than the year before because you can, if you can dream it, you can do it. And so um, I, I did that, um, my whole career has been that really in faith-based nonprofits. Um, what a fit too, because you have this opportunity to interact with people of all different faiths, of all different walks of life, um, really diverse experiences that I've been able to have. And that has challenged me to be able to articulate my views while still I don't know, learning from people and, and respecting different points of view. So, um, so I would highly recommend this faith-based nonprofit career field to anyone who feels called to ministry, but maybe, you know, your gifts are a little different than uh, what would be the traditional church ministry gifts. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's so freeing as a mm -hmm. Christian. I, I know for me throughout high school um, and into the beginning of college, as I was thinking about picking a career path and a major, I really still thought that ministry was confined to a position on a church staff. And I, and I look up to those people so much and think, and I'm so thankful for church staff members and all their different capacities, but um, life is ministry. And, and there are really so many different ways that we can use the unique gifts God's given us, the unique um, burdens and, and circumstances that he's put us in to, um, to lead people to him and to love our communities. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to go a little bit more into what you're saying about um, just, just the unique position of a faith-based nonprofit um, because it's it's a an organization that meets a need that that seemingly the the government has kind of left a gap there um, and we can't expect the government to be able to solve um, every problem and provide for every single person and so I'm curious how you know how you've seen a gap that has been left open and then how a faith-based group or just kind of the church as a whole is able to fill those gaps and what unique aspects of um, a faith-based nonprofit um, are really able to do that well and, and bridge that gap. Okay, sure. Well, I think I would like to start by saying there are some really important things that government does do that we 
partner with, for instance, law enforcement. Um, so at the Wellhouse, you know, we're working with women who are coming out of sex trafficking situations, so extremely dangerous situations. So generally, you're not going to find a Wellhouse staff member or volunteer kind of banging down a door and putting themselves in that risky situation. We rely on um, our law enforcement partners to do the recovery and then they can come to us and then we're able to begin our ministry with them. So shout out to law enforcement for that. And another place is policy. You know, we need continual policy growth and reform in this area. Um, one would be um, stronger convictions for traffickers. And so um, very encouraged by our Attorney General Steve Marshall and his commitment. He's building a state task force for this and um, so grateful for that. But you know, with, with the issue that we primarily address, which is trauma, it is a, it is a soul wound. It's a, it's a relational wound. Um, it is a destructor of faith, of hope, and of love. And um, just providing a safe place to live, you know, that's a start. But healing, from what I've seen, healing comes in relationship. Um, it comes, now we serve women, um, females. So it, it there's something really, really powerful about another woman, a volunteer, we have so many volunteers from our churches that can come and build a relationship, um, a mentoring relationship, just something so simple as having a cup of coffee with someone. Um, I said earlier, uh, Anna Claire, that they are, our women here, they, they exist in the shadows of society. It's like they're on the fringe. Many don't have social security cards or even numbers some they're they're off the grid and so it's those relationships that can kind of reintroduce that uh, you know acceptance and relationship and friendship and and how to manage all of that so they're doing um they're doing hard therapeutic work with our counselors here but they need somebody to laugh with. They need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with. They need somebody to affirm them. You know, just, you look beautiful or, hey, great job getting into school. You know, lots of our women are doing online college now. Thank God for online college. It's opened up a door for, for us. Um, so those relationships with the church. And then, you know, it's not just, women that help the wellhouse too. Um, we have a strong team of men that come and they, they'll do a lot of like the handyman work, the maintenance work, the, the uh, landscaping work, all things like that. So they serve in, um, in really important ways too. Um, we, one of the best things we have done recently was we had a gigantic tree and we didn't realize like how dead this giant tree was, but we're building a chapel on our property. And somebody said, you know, it'd be a shame if you built this beautiful chapel and then the tree fell on it. And we thought, oh my gosh, how does it, how much does it cost to take care of that? Well, a gentleman came forward. He was a professional and he handled it for us. And that was a 
huge blessing to us. So, you know, just everything you know about the church, the church is this body with these different parts and everybody has gifts to share. It's the same way here, you know, different yeah. people from different churches do different things at the well house, but we could not exist without our church partners. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's really encouraging. I think, um, yeah, I never really have thought about, you know, as a, as a woman recovering from being in such a terrible situation with trafficking, like just, just needing a friend and just needing someone to, um, remind them that that's not their identity and that they can have, you know, a life and relationships apart from those experiences. So that's, that's really amazing. Um, well, I guess you mentioned a few things that are really encouraging that are happening through policy. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, with, um, uh, I guess harsher, punishment Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. traffickers and things like that. Will you tell us a little bit more about what is going on in the policy sector and, and just some advances that you've seen maybe just in the four years since you've been at the well house? Well, I'm not a policy expert. My work is really done in the the restoration space in that ministry space. So I don't want to, you know, say something that I don't know all of the correct things about it. So, right, right. But, <laughs> but I will, I, I mean, I will say that one thing I'm seeing in law enforcement, and I can say this because I've actually seen it, is um, there are champions out there. There are people in law enforcement that recognize that rather than putting a woman's face on Facebook, um, when she is arrested for prostitution, perhaps we should think about arresting the customer and letting the woman come into counseling with somebody at the well house. Like these people are out there and they're doing that work. You know, instead of arresting her, instead of posting her face, they're getting her to a safe place where someone can talk with her. And that mindset shift that we're starting to see, and it's growing, is is everything that we need. We need people to understand that no one says, I want to grow up and have sex with people for a living. I mean, that is, it is very, very traumatic. Um, I, I, our women, it's going to be a lifetime of healing for them. And so for law enforcement to begin to grasp that, to begin to grasp the vulnerability of that moment when they're in contact with them. Um, They are saving lives with that um, new perspective. Mm. Yeah. Will you maybe share a specific story that you've seen um, at the Well House, just a story of of transformation that's been encouraging to you? Yeah, I wrestle with that because I know every woman here and I'm so protective of their stories but I will share one because it's on our website <laughs> and okay, I know great. that she's comfortable with that. And Perfect. she is, she is so dear to me. So she came to the well house at the age of 19, um, which to me is so young <laughs> at this point in my life. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw her, um, she was sitting in a chair in our lobby and she was waiting to see our um, nurse practitioner who runs a clinic out of the well house and she looked so angry and I thought what 
what is wrong? You know, what is she so angry about? And, um, and then the next couple of times I saw her, she was angry. Well, I learned that she had had um, a baby at the age of 16 and then had gotten caught up in um, human trafficking. And it was a scary story. I mean, she was invited to go on kind of like a weekend trip with a group that she really didn't know all that well. And it was a bait and switch. I mean, people were there waiting for her. She was rushed into a situation and then she was held against her will. And so this girl was, she was obsessed with the idea of getting back to that baby. She had to find a way back to her son. And she never stopped that quest the entire time she was here. She was here for over two years. She um, worked hard therapeutically. She, she went to school, she got a job, she bought a car, all of these things. But her passion was to reunite with her son. And so much so that um, when it was time for um, this young lady to go to court and talk to the judge about this, our CEO, um, got on the plane and flew with her and accompanied her to court and just stayed with her through every minute of that experience. And um, I miss her very much now, but she has gone home. She's got visitation with her son. They have reconnected. Um, she is a mother. She is, um, she is with that boy. And I'm telling you, Annie Claire, as long as I live, I will never get over that story. Mm -hmm. um, as a mother myself, I mean, the idea of not being able to see your child is just, it's unimaginable. Yeah. And I was, I was so worried for so long that it wasn't going to work out. And it did. And she's with him. And, and can I just say that that is also so important because what we see at the well house are cycles. You know, we'll see this happened to my parents, so this happened to me. And so I feel like when we help a mother, a young mother like that, we're not just helping her, we're helping her children. We're helping generations. generations. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that's something, right? So many of our problems are that way. They're not just a a single problem, they're a web. Um, that has to be addressed. They're cyclical. So um, yeah, that's wow. what I get to do. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Well, I could, I could sit and listen to you talk about this all day and, and hope to, to continue to be involved. And I hope that some of our listeners will reach out and see how they might could use their gifts to contribute um, as students or just to learn more. Um, because I know that this is something that is so near to God's heart. Um, and yeah, amazing that he can work some good and, and, and reveal his love in the worst of circumstances. And, um, yeah, I'm just so encouraged. And I know that, that it's amazing that even you can, can work in, um, the midst of such dark stories, but be able to, um, see hope come out of it because of Jesus and because of his love. Mm -hmm. So that's, wonderful. And um, I was just wondering if maybe you could leave us with a scripture that maybe you cling to or that you feel that this ministry is able to live out. 
Well, sure. And I will also say this. We love Samford. We love Samford students. We have internships here all the time. And we're even in the Samford uh, work study program. So cool. um, just want to get that out there. Come on, Samford. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, I do have one. It's James 127. Um, and it's this is my paraphrase of it. True religion is this to look after after orphans and widows in their distress. And I do believe that um, the women at the well house, they, they are orphans and they are widows. And the only reason I'm here is because I feel like God's here and God is looking after them. And I just want to be around that. Yeah. Amen. Well, you are definitely using your gifts and abilities to, um, to be a, um, effective member of the kingdom and just, and just be a channel of his love. So thank you so much for sharing your story. We, um, I won't be the same and I, I'm just so encouraged. So I hope that our audience feels the same way. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for everyone listening, uh, we have just had a great time together and I, I pray that you will um, check out the wellhouse.org if you are interested in learning more and um, that we will, as the body of Christ, just get plugged into the effort to end human trafficking and to provide um, love and friendship and care to victims and survivors. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening and um, we will see you next time on the Dual Citizen Podcast.